Hey tribe, it's Nixie Marie. You're listening to New Earth, a podcast where each week we explore the relationship between spirituality and sustainability and how these topics play an important role in the evolution of humankind. Together, we aim to remember our connection with Mother Nature to heal ourselves and save our planet. Hello, Earthlings. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome back to New Earth Podcast. Thank you so much for being here on this lovely journey. As we are all co-creating this beautiful new earth together, some of you might have noticed we took a short break from the podcast and I actually have just landed back in my Topanga studio in Los Angeles after, you know, about a year of sailing around Mexico and traveling and it is quite a visceral experience being back here in my home seeing all my precious things and my sacred objects that I've collected and just sort of feeling like I went through a time warp almost as if I didn't even go away. Nothing, you know, nothing never, I know nothing happened. I was just right back where I started here in my, my home, even with our cat Dumbledore. He is just right back to his usual routines going outside And it was like nothing ever happened. So it's kind of bizarre, but I am super grateful. And we don't actually plan to stay very long as we're very eager to get back out into the sea and continue our voyage, exploring uh, the different sustainability elements to how we can protect our oceans. And uh, we're still working on our YouTube show. So stay tuned for that. We're hoping to release our YouTube show Sailing Away from Plastic in November of this this year. So in a couple months and I'm excited for that. It's really fun, like watching our journey and editing it and going through it and going, wow, what, what did we just do? Um, so stay tuned for that. And you guys, I can't believe it's September and we are slowly making this transition. Well, quickly, it feels as if the transition towards the fall equinox is nearly arriving, you know, as we approach fall, I always think of this quote that reminds me, you know, fall is an opportunity as a reminder to let the dead things go. And we're, you know, getting closer to Samhain and this harvest season and the time where we gather with our family, family and community and friends. And, you know, these, these stages and these cycles are so important to remember. You know, of course I'm speaking to the Western hemisphere here, um, but in that in that sense, I think we're all globally, you know, going through a big purge during these times. So as we enter that season, uh, you know, we're going to be putting our feet back in the earth this month throughout the podcast. We're going to be exploring permaculture, sustainable fashion, which is a really great subject for me as I came from the fashion industry, and eco witchcraft and who knows what other rabbit holes we're going to get into, but we are definitely putting our feet back into the soil and getting grounded as I am feeling very inspired to be back on the land here in Topanga. It's really some of the most like grounding energy that I really have been able to experience, even though, you know, we spent some time off land or off sea and yet 
in the jungle of Mexico, it's a little different. You know, I don't often find myself sitting on the rock and on land. It's, you know, this is, this is different. So I'm inspired to take our, our voyage here on the podcast with, with the earth once again, as we had been exploring some of the, you know, cosmic realms. And I had a lot of fun diving into that. I think it was really beautiful. So today I get to chat with Corrine Brennan, who is passionate about helping others live a more regeneratively and abundantly life. She has a permaculture farm and has taught permaculture all around the U.S. and in several other countries. She also helps people reconnect with the natural world and find holistic livelihood with a deeper purpose. We explore the basics of permaculture, bird watching as a spiritual practice, and the transforming effects of nature. So if you have a chance to get outside today while you listen to this episode, I really want to encourage you to do so. You know, take a walk, see and smell the environment around you, and just listen to Corrine speak around her experience in permaculture. Put your feet on the soil, take your shoes off, put your hands on the land, and hug a tree, whatever feels right for you while you listen to this. And uh, I'd love to welcome Corrine to the show. Hello, Earthlings. Welcome back to the podcast. I am excited for this conversation today. I'm with the Corrine Brannon. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you here as well. Corrine, uh, as I mentioned um, in previously, she is all about helping others to live more regeneratively and abundantly through permaculture farming. So I'm looking forward to what we get into today. And um, before we do so, I have some questions for you. How do you personally connect? You're very connected to the land, let's be honest, first of all. Um, but how do you connect to the land that you are currently farming and you, you work on? Is there a specific way that you do or is farming kind of your methodology? Um, well, farming is definitely a daily connection, but um, one of my favorite exercises is to do a sit spot, which is to just sit on the land and be there and observe what's going on around you. And I started that really early in, mm. in my pleasure career and it was like a big, huge classroom. It was great therapy. Um, it was relaxing, and but it it just it put me so much in touch with the earth, and it yeah. it really is just sitting there, feeling what's around you with all of your senses, noticing the macro and micro, um, you know, feeling the gravity and the humidity and and the wind direction and you just get to know your place so much when you do that, when you take the time to slow down. And I was in Los Angeles at the time and I had a very busy life with mm -hmm. two teenage kids and you know, just being able to sit for 10 minutes even and do nothing. Oh yeah. Smart. <laughs> yeah. Also from LA. So I, I hear you on all levels with that. Yes. <laughs> well, incredible. I, you kind of took me on a little journey there. I felt I felt you like just kind of having that experience. And I think sitting with the earth and being on the land is such a huge impactful way that it will, will kind of get medicine wherever we need, you know, it's transformative, it's healing, it's, it's nurturing, it's grounding. 
There's so many different elements to that. And I think that's a really great point to make. And it seems more personal too. It's kind of like your journey. You're going to go out and just be and sit. Yeah. Yeah. It's very personal. And you learn things about yourself as well as your, your garden. Um, and I noticed so many things like what insects are coming in at what time of year. And, it, you know, over time, that was such a valuable thing to just, the, the fir- my first permaculture garden, I just sat in it for a year, almost every day. I made it down there almost every day and sat in the same spot a lot of times, but it changed spots. And uh, I learned so much about gardening. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> It's it's quite a rabbit hole from from even just my basic experience. You know, you can go as as basic or as deep as you want to go with with really creating your own garden and um and I think it's so beautiful. It's such a creative way of to express ourselves, you know, through nature. Mm. Yeah, that's a good description of it, rabbit hole. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's a delightful rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Are there any plants or animals that, like, I always think that when I'm out in the nature, there's like a a very specific animal or plant that like pops out at me and wants to speak to me and you being out on the land and farming, is there any animal or plants that are really popping out at you? And what do you think that they're telling you? Mm, That's a great question. Um, you know, we have bluebirds on our farm, which I haven't had, or you know, s- such an intimate connection with uh, for a really long time. I haven't had that bird in my space, and it's so much fun to watch them. And, and uh, they're such allies in the garden because they eat pests. Mm, I didn't uh, know that. Uh, so we really try to make sure they have a lot of habitat, and then we you know, provide as safe and as an environment as we can. It's just really delightful. And there, there's more of them now. We're bringing more pests, I guess. <laughs> so there's more of them. So it's great. I really love, I've been bird watching so much more. I think when the pandemic arrived, there was a lot of birds that I didn't notice as much. Um, I was living in Topanga in, in Los Angeles at the time. You might be familiar with it. And mm-hmm there was a lot more birds I noticed and there was a, there was a blue, a kind of a type of blue bird. I wasn't a blue Jay. Um, but I find that like, look, just watching them, how they move, how they are present, how they walk, how they chirp. Like there's so many little, um, cute and magical ways that they communicate with each other and the earth. And it's really quite fascinating. I think bird watching is a really excellent hobby. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it, it brings you close to nature in so many ways. Like, you know, just learning the bird sounds. Mm-hmm. I'm really living on a farm that is a very different ecosystem than anything I've lived in. And so I'm seeing birds that I haven't seen very much of. Uh, that's always fun. Mm-hmm. In Los Angeles, I live next nearby to the um, Los Angeles Quest Forest. And oh, we amazing. have a lot of wildlife. Wow. We, you know, we have a lot of interesting birds and there was one that would that had babies in los angeles and then it went to the desert and had more babies wow. and it would go back and forth it was just such an interesting <laughs> interesting um how did how did you know that that was happening i i looked it up because it okay I, now i don't even remember what kind of bird it was <laughs> But it was it was an unusual looking one, and 
I wanted to know more about it. So, sure. yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, what do you think the bluebird's telling you or the blue jay? What messages is there for you? Um, that we, that our ecosystem is healthy and that it's, it's performing the functions that it should perform. There's, there's quite a few woodpeckers on our site that mm -hmm. let us know that. And I, I think the thing that most lets us know that are the pollinators. Yeah. We have such a broad range of, of bumblebees and wasps and, you know, flies and different kinds of and butterflies. And we have just a couple dozen types of butterflies that, that have shown up on our land because we planted so many pollinators. So that's really that's really nice. You know, it's so interesting. Whenever I talk to anyone who has that, you have such a deep connection to the cycles of farming and understanding how every, every insect, every bug, every, you know, worm, whatever, it, it all has a role in the ecosystem that you're, you're on your land. And I think it's so incredible because I think that's a big big thing that we in a society don't necessarily really think about, you know, we don't think about, okay, the pollinators, like they're there for a reason. And the blue jay, that's reminding me that we have a healthy ecosystem. Like there's little just signs and, and maybe omens, if you would say that remind you, you're creating this diverse, beautiful, like container for an, an entire world to exist. Yeah, it's it's really nice. That's one of my favorite things about permaculture is that we can increase the wildlife instead of fighting it. Mm -hmm. you know? And they and because there's a beautiful balance, um, they help us. We help them. It's just you know, people can do that. And mm -hmm. and even if you're living in an urban area, there's there's so much wildlife around and there's so much you can do to bring more there. Even if you, even on a, a patio balcony, like I have friends that are growing little permaculture gardens on their balcony and they are, um, it, you know, seeing pollinators come in and butterflies, <laughs> birds. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, I mean, again, I love talking to earth beings that are just in the earth. It's, it just brings me right back into that that beautiful energy that kind of connects us all, but we don't quite always have the opportunity to, to be in the soil. And especially for people who are in urban environments, you know, there's, there's definitely, I think that sort of block that doesn't allow everyone to feel like they can be connected to permaculture or gardening or growing food because their, their circumstances maybe aren't allowing them to do so. And, you know, I'm curious, you were in LA and, you lived, I mean, in a gorgeous place, I'm sure, because that, I love that area. The Los Angeles National Forest is beautiful. If anyone's ever in LA, you definitely need to go and check that out. There's a lot of amazing hikes. Um, but, you know, what What had you stumble across permaculture? Was this something that you really always felt connected to? Or did you later in life, like, know that this was a calling for you to be able to teach people and to tend to the land? I was a real urban person and I met someone who was into permaculture who introduced me uh, pretty late in life, like mm. 16 years ago. I'm in my sixties now and I changed my career because it touched me so much. Mm. Uh, 
So it really was a pretty major change. I, I realized how much I, that connection to nature is important to human beings. I think everybody needs that. And uh, one of the first projects I worked on was in South Central Los Angeles with a food forest at a high school. And just seeing the changes in the students who had that connection to nature that didn't have it before and mm -hmm. uh, seeing how transformative that one project was in an area that didn't even have any organic food available at that time uh, was was really what got me committed. <laughs> yeah, I'm it sure. Was, <laughs> it was such a little project, a little change, and yet it created such a, a big effect, you know? Yeah. And that was exciting because I had been working in um, human rights area and even mm. human trafficking and wow. uh, things like that. And, um, and there didn't seem to be a lot of solutions to it. And then just the holistic nature of permaculture and the fact that the person who started this created it with almost no funding or support or anything. You just, you can, you can take whatever is lying around and turn it into this abundance you know, that was such a great example of that, that it just really inspired my imagination. Yeah. And that's really an important story to tell because like I mentioned, you know, those who are in more urban environments working, you know, nine to five, or maybe they're in corporate or, or any of that, that type of structure. I think that we actually need more nature when we're in those environments, because we're so, it's so easy to get disconnected and forget the importance of that connection. So just kind of, you know, hearing your journey and understanding, you know, it's never too late either to change careers or follow something that you really love. And it's pretty incredible that you made that shift later in your life. Yeah, it was scary, but it yeah. was, it was so inspiring too that, and, and there's a lot of support in the permaculture community. It's, mm -hmm. It really is a community and a, really warm and loving community in a lot of ways yeah uh, that really helped and um, I just I have to say that like even if you're in a very urban area like I would go to uh, a lot an abandoned lot and just sit in that and do my sit spot <laughs> oh, I love and that. it's amazing how much stuff is going on <laughs> nature just wants to survive and take over and um, you know thrive even in that situation. That's very interesting. Yeah. Nature will come through, you know, concrete or anything just so strong, strong. I mean, I, I, there was a, a, a meme going around a while ago and it was, you know, this little tiny flower coming through this crack in the cement. And, mm. you know, it's just a, it was sort of a reminder of, you know, how powerful nature is and she will find her way through no matter what and persevere through wherever she wants to live, you know? And I think when we abandon certain things, she will take, she'll take the space up. Mm. So Such a great lesson. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, okay. Going back to permaculture, because I myself have had a lot of fascination with having my own garden, growing my own food, and I haven't quite made it yet in that chapter in my life, but I'm curious just on the basics. I think so many people that are 
very connected to the earth, or maybe they're just more, and you know, our listeners who are very environmentally focused, um, they, they understand that there's this thing called permaculture, but they're not quite sure what exactly it is. And that's kind of where I sometimes feel confused. So can you kind of break down with us, like really specifically the basics of what permaculture is? Okay. That's, that's challenging. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> But it's it's a whole systems design. So it's a design methodology that starts from looking at an entire system. It's very holistic in that way. And um, it's really aligned with how natural systems um, operate. And that includes humans and their natural elements. Um, so we try to look at, you know, pattern language in nature. Uh, what, is, what are the seasons? What are the plant communities in an area? How do plants grow? Or how do they uh, access water in, a, in the site that we're dealing with? And then we try to replicate that. We try to cooperate with that rather than fighting against it or bringing in a bunch of artificial uh, ways of feeding plants and making sure they have everything. Uh, it's It's... A lot of people think it's just gardening, but it's much, much more than that. We um, use those same principles that that nature shows us uh, to in our built environment, in the way that we use energy, in our educational uh, approaches, in our health and spiritual wellness, in our in our economics, and in our community building. And those principles are very powerful because they do align with all of those things. It really started out as an agricultural study, but it, it branched out into all of these other areas as people started seeing that it really did uh, apply. And one of my favorite areas of permaculture is economics because it's, it's so different. People are arguing all the time about these economic theories of isms, I call them, <laughs> mm. but there's, it, you know, if you step back and look at how nature exchanges energies, it's extremely powerful, extremely efficient, yeah. and uh, extremely abundant. <laughs> mm. And we can learn a lot from just thinking about that and thinking, how can we apply that to our own uh, exchanges? Yeah. Wow. That's so, di- it's so dynamic. There's so many layers to it. And I do think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, for myself, I probably need to just go try it out <laughs> to really understand the complexities that go into permaculture. Yeah. It's, it, you know, people watch a lot of videos and they, they get sort of the idea, but you know, if you can do just an intro course or read like one of the intro books or even do a permaculture design course, you really get it though. It's, it's that kind of in-depth subject that uh, it's hard to explain. And if you go online and look for definitions of permaculture, there's like a hundred different ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and they all apply, they're all correct. <laughs> like everything. I mean, now today we have so much information out there and huh. you know, every, everywhere can steer, steer us somewhere, I think. And, you know, for those of the listeners who maybe already have gardens or they're growing their own food. What are some ways that they can adopt some of these 
permaculture methods to what they're already doing? Um, well, I would say I, one really important principle is to replicate a permanent agricultural system. So a permanent system would be like a tall grass prairie or uh, a, a forest. And most permaculturists go for a food forest. Okay. Uh, and it, the elements of that system are a soil that keeps building. You, so you don't, instead of stripping the soil or tilling it or messing with it every year, you just let it keep building. And the best way to do that is to plant perennials and so plants that will just keep living every year after year and you don't have to plant them newly every year. And most of the food that we get in the grocery store, especially fresh food, is annuals. I mean, fruit is perennial, but um, most of the veggies are annuals. But in permaculture, we use a lot of perennial uh, greens and different kinds of root crops and things. And, and that actually makes it much easier to garden. Mm. And um, you start building soil just by the process of growing things. So over time, your, your system just gets more and more abundant. So, so thinking about building soil and not disturbing it, not stepping on it, that's a really important element. And another important approach is to have diversity in your system. So everybody plants like all the carrots in one row and all your tomatoes in one row. And, and you can do that, but, uh, and we do that sometimes, but we also tend to mix so we'll plant some carrots, then we'll plant some onions, and then we'll plant some, some tomatoes on just one row. And we might plant some basil next to the tomatoes, or we might plant uh, kale under a tree, for instance. In Florida, that's, you can plant anything under a tree, even tomatoes. <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> um, so we'll incorporate that perennial permanent system in with our annuals. And I have kale growing in August in Florida, which is very difficult to do because I planted in my perennial system. And those, those trees and bushes and other things are protecting that kale to some degree from the, the heavy rainfall and the humidity, and et cetera. So you can walk through my little fruit uh, orchard and find kale and carrots. And we just harvested some carrots today and that's out of season for Florida. Um, we have tomatoes growing still. Most of the tomatoes are have died out. Um, so, you, you know, by, by mixing things together, you really end up with more abundance and less work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a, such a, a beautiful reminder to like the importance of diversity and how we need to really look to nature to understand that because, you know, the more that we separate ourselves from the concept of diversity as humans, even the, like the less I feel successful we are because we need community to thrive. We need diversity to thrive and nature really teaches us that. Yeah. So it's and the, the cooperative level in nature is really amazing. Right. You, you always hear survival of the fittest, but there's a whole uh, side of, of botany and ecology that studies the cooperative aspects of nature. And there's much more cooperation going on than there is competition. And uh, 
it that's such a key part of abundance and the when it manifests in a permaculture community with seed sharing and plant swaps and uh, skills sharing and uh, sharing of resources, uh, it's it's really beautiful. It, it does create a lot of abundance and we're taught in this society to just you know, work for money and then you use your money to pay someone else to do the things you need. But money right. is just a symbol of, of what we have to offer. And sometimes it doesn't work so well <laughs> to, to use that because you, you just have friends and you do things for each other and uh, you don't have to charge each other. It all works out. So mm, That's really powerful that you say that. I kind of want to pull that out again because, you know, I think that as we learn about sort of a shared economy, you know, the concepts of money really start to dissolve into a different, a different way that we aren't really familiar with, you know, um, in an example, you know, if we used to live in villages and communities and everybody kind of played their role, like money wasn't as a necessity because it was, you know, based on trade and sharing and, and, and it, essence replicates permaculture because it's from what I'm understanding, you know, it kind of creates this, um, this circular system. And I think we need to really take a step back and see how powerful that could be in just creating community alone, you know, where your neighbors, your people around you can actually support what you all need. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And that's really where the concept of permanent culture, the permaculture came from is uh, Bill Mollison and others examining, you know, what have these cultures that have literally lasted for thousands of years and are still going, mm-hmm. what are they doing? <laughs> it must be working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we're not working, not, things aren't working so well with us in our modern world, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there could be some changes. There could be some changes. Yeah. And so it's good to look at what what is has been successful. And you know, people think, oh, tribalism is so primitive. And well, that's all relative. Right. <laughs> you know, there's things we we do in this culture that is pretty primitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> My fellow earthlings, I couldn't be more excited to share with you about a brand I have partnered with and also have fallen head over heels with. You all know I'm a sucker for anything that helps save the oceans. And well, combine that with handmade high quality jewelry made for mermaids. I mean, they had me at Shalo. <laughs> Leilani Shells is a brand beyond the jewelry. Jenny, the founder, grew up in Hawaii and as a young girl witnessed firsthand the destruction of the coral reefs. Seeing all her turtle friends disappear made her heart sink to the very bottom of the ocean. 
Motivated by what she witnessed as a young girl, she pioneered a jewelry brand that could directly impact the health of our oceans by partnering with Blue Corner Conservation to plant a coral reef with every purchase. I just received my Lilani shells, and when I wear them, it reminds me of my free inner sea goddess. Shop her gold shell collection and plant a coral reef today by visiting the link in our show notes. There's a lot of, I think, more conversation now than I've ever had with people who are open-minded to that concept of kind of going back to some of those ancient ways to create regenerative living with the earth because they had those, they had the medicine, they knew what, you know, the earth was telling them. They were so connected to it. And today I think we, we've created these modern ways of exploring some of the ancient ways. And, and to me, it sounds like permaculture is kind of a replication of that. Yeah. And it, and I think one of the most important aspects of permaculture is the viewpoint of being a designer because that means you can step back outside of the system and question it question all of it and most of us don't feel we have that opportunity or or right or we don't know how to do that we're we're taught that we're not designers then we just better listen to how -hmm. things are and you know figure out how to survive within that framework but one of the things i walked away with when I first did the course is, wow, I, I have choices. I can sit back and go, you know, I don't like this, as- some aspects of this economic system or the food system or whatever. How could I design that better? And how can I listen to other people who are actually designing, work together with them and brainstorm a better system? And in a lot of ways, permaculture is setting up kind of a parallel system next to the existing system as an example of, hey, we could do it this way too. We could do it this way over here. You know, there's different models that are being tried all over the world. And that's an exciting thing to observe. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way to look at how we can take back our own freedom and sovereignty around choice. You know, if we don't align to certain systems in our in our society, just knowing that we have the choice to make different, you know, different food, food that's organic, grown with different soil, that's actually nutritious and has the minerals that we need. You know, those, those types of choices, you're right. We don't, we're, we're really programmed to just, you know, get out there in the world and listen and sort of follow the herd. And yet, you know, here we are, we're, I mean, this podcast, definitely, I know our listeners here are, are looking for ways that they can be their own lion and, and really step outside of the box mm-hmm. that we are also programmed to, to be following and, you know, be a circle and be, and be circular and create a different way of life. So, you know, I think that there's a really big opportunity in understanding that we do have that choice. So that's really powerful what you just said. Yeah, I I really love that people can do it from from wherever they are. So even a homeless person or a person in very dire straits. I worked in Haiti and after the earthquake in 2010, uh, it was so exciting to see the principles of permaculture being applied 
and literally taking, you know, garbage or whatever is lying around and turning it into abundance mm. is, is such a key part of permaculture for me because it's accessible to everybody. Yeah, that was that was a question I was going to ask you, you know, is if something if anyone really can adopt permaculture into their lives, depending on, you know, their circumstance, because I think permaculture does sound like kind of an out there, not not available to all of us, maybe being in a being in an urban environment or, you know, someone who is just not green, has a green thumb and I do think there is a, a sense of empowerment there when we choose to just take something on no matter the circumstance. So you kind of answer that question, but if you could kind of give us a little more, you know, a, a picture or kind of a vision of how someone could like the homeless person that's on the street, how do they start creating a per permaculture um, ecosystem with where they're at? Well, um, for instance, they could come to a, a seed swap that permacultures are giving and get some seeds or some plants for free and then go and plant them in a wild area of the city and go back and eat it. Uh -huh. uh, you know, <laughs> um, there's also, we, we talk a lot about land access and different ways of accessing land outside of purchasing it and having a bank mortgage on it. There's, yeah. there's so many creative ways that people are accessing land by creating relationships. And permaculture is really a lot about relationships. Mm. And we've been taught in this culture to kind of make our relationships artificial and back away from relationships and be afraid of relationships in a lot of ways. And there are tools in permaculture which help you to establish healthy relationships uh, through different design methods mm. and and that you know like land access agreements for instance right and uh, beneficial connections that would give someone land access and give the other person uh, what they need too because there's a whole lot of people with land who aren't using it and would actually like it to be utilized yeah so, that's a really interesting point and Personally, I never even thought of, you know, going beyond our own land that we have or maybe don't own, but just, you know, within our peripheral energy environment and to really be like land stewards of another piece of property or just a free property. And I didn't even think that you could really do that, but that makes sense. <laughs> you break yeah. It down. yeah. And it, yeah. You, you know. light bulb. We're offering that at our farm because we have 10 acres. Um, I do a lot besides just being a farmer and I want to create a community here. Yeah. And we're, you know, we have the, we're paying for the land. We're okay with someone not having the credit or having to pay for the land, but coming here and helping us steward it because mm -hmm. we, ha we could easily do a lot of things here that we're, we don't quite get to. Right. <laughs> So we're in communication with a couple of people that are interested in that. And um, we're always open to talk to others. And uh, I think there's a lot more people starting to think that way and starting to think outside the box. We've been so trained to think in terms of our economic system, bank mortgages, but even that is really new. I mean, it's like my grandmother didn't have a bank mortgage. 
Mm. You know, right. It's that new. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, we don't realize that because we're in it, right. You know, we're, I personally only know that life and, you know, I really believe too, I'm sure you feel this way that there's no real land ownership, you know, the land owns itself and we can, we can really try to claim greed and, and, and say we own things, but you know, that land's going to be there when we die, whether that house is on there anymore or not. And I think to, to have the idea and the concept of becoming a land steward and being like actually working with the land and being in harmony with that is, is a really beautiful way to shift away from that outside of the box thinking and to remember that, you know, this is, this is the sort of more normal way of life versus some of the concepts that a lot of us are, are finding ourselves kind of stuck in today. Yeah, that's a beautiful concept of land stewardship. And, you know, that's definitely a core part of permaculture is that viewpoint. And I so agree with you on that. But uh, you just think of how this earth would be if everybody who owned a piece of property, quote unquote, felt that way about it, that mm-hmm. it was their duty to steward it. Yeah. take care of it and make it even better for the next generation. Yeah. And I think it could be as simple even as like planting a herb garden or planting a tree or just throwing, like you said, throwing the seeds out and bringing that diversity into the space. Is there resources that um, you would suggest for someone who can really understand their ecosystem? Like I'm currently right. I'm in Mexico. So this is a whole different ecosystem than uh, Los Angeles. So do you, how do you recommend like people c- that can get an understanding of what grows there? You know, how do we just, how do we grow things? What works best? Stuff like that. You know, what resources can we kind of turn to? Well, I, you know, I frankly use uh, the extension service a lot when I go into a new area. Um, they, I often have a chemical ag approach, but they do have a lot of information in their databanks about different plants and different crops. And uh, I can translate that into permaculture. (laughs) Um, Also, I tend to connect up with naturalists in the area or people Mm who uh, are really into native plants and environments because uh, they have a tremendous amount of knowledge. There's a course here, a master naturalist course in Central Florida, all of Florida, that teaches you about like our ecosystem, which is an uplands pine ecosystem, and uh, and then the swamp ecosystems and different ecosystems in Florida. And I took that course because I wasn't familiar with this ecology here. It's very unique. Um, and it was fascinating. This guy had lived in uplands and studied them for 40 years, the teacher. And I just followed him around like a puppy because he knew so much. <laughs> just incessantly asking him questions. Yeah. <laughs> so connect up with veterans in the area, veteran farmers. And you can learn so much from people who've lived there their whole life. They right. really know the weather cycles and the, you know, the animals. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point to make. And I think it's, I think it's really cool that you can, you know, it also going back to your community conversation, it does bring like, what a great way to go meet people and create community. And I don't know about, you know, everybody listening, but I think 
I think there's been a pretty big surge of needing that community aspect and, you know, being able to kind of get into a hobby that's, that's different than some of the things and the habits that we're normally prone to, you know, and getting outside and being in nature and talking to, to your local farmers and the naturalists. I think that's a great, you know, idea to just bring community, learn about what's going on and do something different in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the community aspect. I think people have a huge hole in their spirits, mm-hmm. you know, from this lack of community that's, that's so oh, encouraged in this culture. And, uh, you know, from the time you're a kid, you're stuck in your age group and you're con- disconnected from the, the community you're growing up in. Uh, it's, it's just really artificial. And yeah. when I see tribal life, it's just, it's so rich. You have mm. like 20 aunties, you know? So if you're not getting along yeah. with your mom, you can like <laughs> hang out with an auntie for a little while. It's like, <laughs> and your mom can have a break too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody supports each other. And that's, that's this big gap in our world that I, you know, I really question all the time are we ever going to find how to fill that hole? You know, can we, can we do it so that people are really feeling nourished by that essence of support by community? Do we really even understand what that is? You know, and I think just conversations like these alone help spark the interest and the desire and the reminder that they are important. And, you know, we can't do this alone. And we've maybe been taught that we, we should, we should go, you know, bulldozing ahead and, be greedious in, in our endeavors, but without, without that support, it, there is always, I don't know, there's just like a gap. There's something missing. At least that's what I feel. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it's not hard to start community. You can find some way to do it. One of the ways I did it was I just started having potlucks at my food forest and I, in Los Angeles. And I had a lot of friends who were very, you know, work oriented. And some of it was funny because some of them would come over early and say, where's the shovel? <laughs> I need to <laughs> shovel stuff. <laughs> you know, it was great. They just needed to do something other than their office work. Yeah, so absolutely. Those were super successful. People, you know, love them. And we, a lot of it was very organic. Um, but sometimes that's all it takes is mm-hmm. just uh, you know, a little bit of uh, like a get to know your neighbor week or, or dinner or potluck or mm-hmm. uh, a little seed swap at your house, plant swap, just some little event that will bring people together and get them talking. Yeah. And, you know, for those listeners that are really feeling this and maybe might be a little intimidated by that. I mean, I think, I think that's such a great, like courageous thing to do is just put it, put something out there. You know, I, I do love the app, um, next door when I lived in Topanga, I mean, Topanga has got a very beautiful sense of community. Um, mm-hmm. but the next door app really brought people together. It was like, it also gets a little intense. There's always, it's kind of like Facebook, you know, people going on there commenting this and that, but I think the concept of next door and bringing people together around your neighborhood is, is really there. It's just, you've got to take the action. Like if you're resonating with this to go start a, she, a, sh, a seed 
uh, share or learn about the local plants around you and have somebody come in and teach you guys, like you got to start that and don't be afraid to do it because you never know what could happen. I mean, it sounds like it really has transformed your life and, and people around you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's funny how fast it took off in Florida too. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a few people in each city got the idea about permaculture and they started creating these little community activities and it's, it's really blossomed. Social media has helped. That's mm-hmm. one good thing that has come out of social media. It's yeah. a lot of sharing of knowledge, resources, yeah, that is that is very true. I mean, social media is a whole nother conversation, but there is beauty in the connection that it can bring. And, you know, like I would know a lot of you guys listening if we didn't have that and get connected with you as well. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a really beautiful, beautiful way to bring everything back into the conversation around community. And um, I know you kind of spoke a little bit like kind of going through your work and what you do um, around some of your courses and stuff like that. What is, what, what do you, when you break it down, what are some of your offerings and are they in person? Are they online? Like if someone's really curious to learn from somebody, how do they go about that? Um, Well, we have in-person classes and online and the in-person classes we've been doing outside because of COVID. On our farm mostly, and we we do do them in the city in St. Pete, uh, in Florida as well, and uh, we do you know beginner classes, and then we do the professional level permaculture design course, which really dives into everything we're talking about and gives you specific tools and uh, methods of designing your site and digging into building soils and how you plant stuff, all all of those different elements. Um, we also offer that course online uh, at growpermaculture.com. You can get mm-hmm. the information. And uh, we have a, an intro to permaculture online that's free that people can just find out more about it and dive into it a little bit. And, um, and then we also do design work for individuals. We go to your site and look at it and help you step-by-step establish a permaculture system, whatever that is. We've been doing a lot of homesteaders lately, which is, is great. Uh, You know, there's an increased interest. It's a big topic right now. Yeah. It's a big interest. Yeah. And we, you know, we do everything solar and, uh, you know, energy systems and uh, we've helped people design their home site and, uh, build from scratch to make decisions about that. And we don't do the installation. We just help people get through the design process. And, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's so many mistakes you can make that we really try to help you avoid some of those if, if persons are new to it, especially. Right. Do you feel like there's some spiritual benefits that you've gained by being involved with permaculture? Oh, Yes. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, it's 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 a holistic practice. Yeah. And it's it's holistic health mm-hmm. on many different levels. It's it makes you more of a whole person. 
you know, I didn't realize how much I was missing of, of that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I think what we were talking about with that whole, you know, that gap in some of our, you know, no matter what we do, whether we're following a purpose, a passion or something, sometimes there is this hole that, you know, I've experienced this off and on in my life. And when I remember what that need, like what I need is a connection to something greater than myself. Mm. And I feel like that's what being a steward of a land is or having, or creating community or bringing people together or doing permaculture. Like it's something bigger than you. And that, that in alone of itself can really bring you to this like really spiritual place. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's definitely part of it. You're, you're part of the greater dynamics of life. Mm. Yeah. And, and we all are, but we just forget, you know, we're part of the natural world. We are natural beings and, you know, yet we've cut ourselves off from that. So. Mm -hmm. What are some, ways that you could give some of our listeners tips to just reinvigorate that connection that we have cut, like cut ourselves off of? Um, I would say in a sit spot, I would go back to that because it's, yeah. it, it's one of the more powerful things I've done to connect myself back to nature. And, um, you know, any little thing you can do to, to build beneficial connection between you and someone else um, or you and the natural world. The beneficial connection is such a key part of permaculture relationships. And, you know, the important thing about it is people are, again, afraid of relationships is to, is to approach it from a, the idea of beneficial connection. How can you benefit from that connection and how can that other person benefit? And if you really sit down and think about that, then you come out with something that makes both sides happy and is not so problematic. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love the, this sit spot thing too, because it's also something that you're doing but not doing. You're actually being very present, right? Mm -hmm. And to me, that's like the best thing to do in nature is to just be. Mm. You know, yeah. she'll, she'll give you a lot of medicine and a lot of healing and a lot of like teachings. If you just sit with her and I like to refer to the earth as a her, I think she's, I feel like it's a feminine energy. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful practice. So thank you for bringing me back to that, that mm. reminder. I'm, I'm planning on going on a hike tomorrow to a waterfall. So it's a good reminder to, to like take a moment during the hike and like just sit and watch and observe. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Well, and we're. You, you probably we're, get to do that when you're sailing. Yeah, we've definitely done a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, I definitely would struggle with that though a little bit because I do like to do things often, like even, you know, we're kind of like sailing our house. So I'm like, want to clean or I want to cook or I want to do things. And I'm the power when we have those like rough nights or the seas a little disturbing, then I really do just get to sit and oh. be, and it's, it's, it's always that time when I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. I really need to just do this right now. 
So, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I love love that part of it. Um, well, this has been great. We're kind of at the top of our hour here. So I have a couple more questions for you before we say our goodbyes. Um, do you have any good references of books that anybody can dive into to really educate themselves further on permaculture? Um, one of the first books I read was Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway. And he's just a beautiful man. He was one of my teachers. Uh, he, he passed away, but uh, his passion and love for life is in that book. And it really, uh, opens you up to what you can do in your own garden. Well, that sounds like a really nice book. That's a, that's a really great start. And, um, another one is practical permaculture and that's just pretty accessible and it, it gets you right into, you know, how can you apply some of these uh, principles to actual sites? All right. Those are some good ones there. I like Gaia's garden. That's a great title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and where can everybody find you? I know you mentioned earlier website, but just, reiterate it so we can make sure they, if anybody's interested in working with you guys um, on courses or some permaculture design, where can everybody find you? Um, Our website is growpermaculture.com. All right. And this last question that I have for you, you can get as creative, as imaginative or spiritual, however you want to answer. Um, But if you were to really tap into a vision of our future what I like to call this new earth that we're co-creating, um, what would that look like to you? Uh, that's such a great question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, it, you know, I, it's a big permaculture garden. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great way to look at it. People uh, interacting with a high level of benefit to all concerned and uh, peace and, uh, and a viewpoint of abundance rather than scarcity and having to fight over things and, and a, an idea of working together to solve things uh, and just an increasing abundance among everything. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And mm-hmm. I, I sort of saw this like big spiral as you said that. There's just a beautiful you know, coming together of everything that's working in harmony with each other. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and I loved learning a little bit more about permaculture and just the conversation about community in itself is so important right now. And I think we can all really, you know, agree that if, if we find something that brings us together, we, we definitely need to go full force in that right now. So thank goodness for permaculture. It's going to bring us all together, guys. That's, that's, I think in a nutshell, what I'm gaining from this. And I think, you know, whatever you take away from this, that I think that's a really important part to regenerate our planet and to come together and band together to be the stewards of the land. So thank you so much. Um, And I will see you all next week. And again, Go down into the show notes, check out the links and in in, in everything that you can find all about 
Lisa's work and, or Corrine, sorry. <laughs> I was just like going over something, Corrine's work and um, really be able to, to learn about permaculture in another way. So thank you again. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, everyone. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Ooh, na ma le 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 